Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. I am successful, but I mean, there are comics that are just like billionaires live in these castles in, in the hills. And like, oh, Carrot Top's most successful. I'm not the most, I've been successful. And I'm still glad that I'm still doing it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Today is part two of my Carrot Top interview, and I can't wait for you to hear this part. But before I do, I just want to let you know that you can reach me anytime you want on LinkedIn, Facebook, at Barry Katz on Twitter and Instagram, and I will answer every single message that you send me. Thank you so much for all of them, the FedExes, the emails, everything. Without you, this show is nothing. And I want to be the first to announce it here to you. Just got invited back to the Montreal Just for Last Festival for the third time in five festivals. That would never, ever happen without all of you and all of your support. And I am more than grateful to all of you. I feel the same way as many of the artists that I work with. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. All I know is I want to just go out there and do great work that can help you in some way, whether it's 1% or 100%, to inspire you to take your career to the next level. Thank you. Thank you. And as always, I look at my guest and I think of what I'm going to say that relates to this podcast. And when it comes to Caratop, I have very strong feelings about him. Caratop is that guy that always got shit on. He was the guy who was always pushed around, who nobody ever took seriously but somehow some way he was the guy that kept moving up at your company he was the kid at school that kept getting a's on the tests 
but you never understood how or why. But when it comes to Karatop, the hows and the whys, if you really study him and what he does, it's truly remarkable. Yes, he is maligned by the group of comedians who stand there and plant their feet and write jokes and notebooks and try to make tags and try to create the best and most original and unique jokes through words and wordplay. When you look at Caratop, he's done it by taking hits from his peers, taking blow after blow after blow. You don't go to Las Vegas as a comedian and spend over two decades in a residency. You don't spend more years than Hackett, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, unless you're doing something that's really, really strong. And let me tell you something. If you can take the hits, if you can create something unique and original in any business that you're in that no one else is doing, and you're mentally tough enough to deal with all the craziness and all the things that come along with it, you're going to have an opportunity to have the kind of long-lasting, financially successful career that Caratop has had. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Well, all right. I want to go way, way back. Yeah. Take me back to where you grew up. Catholic Family. school. That's where I went to Catholic school. I do a joke in the show. I said, I went to Catholic school. That's where it explains all the dildos in the show. <laughs> what was your first inspiration to getting into comedy? I, you know, it's funny. I, I remember just being a kid admiring uh, The Tonight Show, watching like Don Rickles, who knew I got to work in a movie with since the, all that. Um, Jonathan Winters and all the... Stafford and I mean everybody that I used to watch and I, and I remember just thinking that one that'd be cool to do that but I don't know how to do that right so I used to say I want to be a comedian and uh, you know you go to comedian school I don't know how you do that so I ended up going to a marketing degree in school and I do a whole thing in the show now with the throwback so I said yeah, I went to school I got a degree in marketing my house is in uh, Orlando my dad worked for NASA which explained every time you heard Houston we have a problem you hear Larry behind it <laughs> but um the uh so I grew up with like you know yeah no show business background I mean NASA's not really hey savvy show business so, brothers and sisters a brother Air Force F-16 retired fighter I know that crazy I do the whole thing. My brother flies F-16s, and I have a walker with a dildo, a dildo with a, <laughs> on a walker. So, yeah. We, uh, you yeah. But, um, and then, yeah, then all of a sudden I went to, to oh, FAU, and there was an open mic at the Rat Skeller, and my friend said, hey, you should, we should go to that. And I said, yeah, let's go check. He said, no, you should be in it. And I was like, be in it? What the fuck do what? Tell jokes. And I was like, what? So I said, okay, because I was always kind of funny, but, I, you know, I'd, I would tell jokes all the time. So I went up and told some jokes. They weren't my jokes or anyone else's but mine. And it was just fun, that kind of 
feeling of telling jokes in front of people. But you were doing straight stand-up. Well, no, I, yeah. And then when I, they had the next semester, they had another one, my, and I thought, eh, maybe I'll try to do something a little bit more personal. So that's why I did, I was doing, it was all stand-up, yeah. Jokes about the school, I was, you know, about parking, you know. Uh, you know, all the books that we had to buy, and the basketball team being a bunch of lesbians, and our teachers, and... Did you get introduced to Scott Thompson? Yeah. And then, it was like, it might have been the third one, that's when I drew my little logo. It was like, um, I was in my room, and I said, I have to have a, a brand, like, I can't go up as Scott Thompson. So I was thinking, Carrot Top. I don't know. I thought it was Did people like, call you Carrot Top. Not really. I know people were called that, but I thought Carrot Top. I was so I just drew this little carrot holding a microphone with this inside the sea. Yeah. Well, the first one was a little carrot dude, like a bathroom, like a stick figure almost, but it was a carrot that had like a little holding a microphone with this head, and and, and so I made business cards so I could get you know. See, I didn't have I didn't have an act yet, but I have my business cards already. It's a carrot top comedian. I still have that framed in my office. Um, and so then I went to, the, I said, you bring me up as carrot top. And they're like, okay. And the I, third time. Yeah, third or fourth, yeah, third or fourth time they said bring me as carrot top. And then I had, I had a couple, I think I did have one or two props. One was a, a tennis racket for Billie Jean King that went both ways or something. It was a, <laughs> some stupid fucking prop. And I also remember when I, going up, I used to put on a big orange wig. So when they brought me as Carrot Top, I had this big orange wig on. And they'd say, please welcome Carrot Top. And I'd hit the station, I had this big orange wig on. And everybody would laugh and I'd go, oh, you think it's funny? And I'd take it off and I'd have the real one. So it's just not really that funny. <laughs> and then um, then I did a, oh yeah, a couple props. How did that go? It did, yeah, it did okay. And then I went down to the, um, I used to listen to this, the Comedy Corner uh, every day. On the, I was a courier taking bank uh, things, credit reports to banks. I listened to the AM radio and they had this uh, five o'clock funnies at the Comedy Corner. Da, da, da. So they always have this, you know, we have the contest is set, come on down. So I, I'm going to go to the, down there and watch. Your day job was as I a went, courier. Uh, yeah, as I went to college too. I shucked I, I, I oysters and I delivered bank reports. Um, and I went down to um, the club, and I was like, "Wow, fucking comedy club!" And the headline was Jeff Foxworthy, I think, that night. And I remember just going, "Holy shit, this is fucking good. These these guys are good." So every weekend, I went down to watch different comics, and I'd watch, you know, Tommy Blaze and watch different ones, and I, they were all big, the big names. But I remember thinking, "Oh wow, this is this is the real. These are real dudes." And they had a contest there. So I went and I applied and she said, the lady said, come down at like three in the afternoon. So I was delivering my bank report. So I pulled in and I sat down with her and she's like, okay, show me, show me you know, audition. And I go, oh, well like, okay. And she's like, well, don't do the whole thing. Just give me a couple of your, just go, just stand up and just do a couple of your bits. And I said, well, a couple of my bits are, one is this. And I told her, I said, I kind of like these visuals that I do. And she's like, okay. I remember saying, I lo there's something about you I like, but your 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 material seems to be a little bit like just about college. And I said, yeah, it was. It was like a, I remember it was a lamp. It was a bong that you you could put a lampshade into. So it was parents' weekend. You could put the lampshade over the over into the bong, and it'd be a lamp instead of a bong. It was kind of clever. <laughs> and so she's like, I love that, but can you come up with some stuff that's maybe a little bit more broad? So I said, okay. So I went back and I started getting a writing jokes that are more props that are more 
broad thing. So it was a hat for old people to drive. So their heads went above the seat, and I had um, the ice tray one. I started coming up with like the, the hanger for a midge. All these ones that were kind of just kind of generic. And when did you come back to the afternoon to do it for I again? I like think it was the next competition because I had missed that one. But she wouldn't even let you in that competition. No, she had not that one. She's the next one. They had one. They had one every you know six so months. She so said, she said, "I'm not going to put you in here." She goes, "I think you would be better off too." Yeah, you know, you're not invited, but go back and, th- and come back to me next time. So I went back to her and I said, "I have new stuff," and I brought it to the club and did it for her. And she was like, "This is fucking great." I had a neighborhood crime watch sign. That was my opening act, opening joke. I saw him late. It was in the neighborhood, and I held up the whole neighborhood. Crime. I said, "How good is their fucking crime watch?" And then I walked into signs. <laughs> it took me an hour and a half to unbolt this fucking sign. It takes twenty seconds to go over a window. So she's like, "I love that." So I started doing, and so I, and then I entered the contest and won. What did you win? Oh, I think a Walkman or something. Seriously, steak dinner and a Walkman or a hundred bucks. And so they had, they kept having all these contests around Fort Lauderdale, Miami, and Palm Beaches, and I kept entering them. And that's when I met like uh, Larry the Cable Guy, and all those guys were all doing the same. Who time. was Dan Whitney? Dan Whitney. Time. And uh, and then we all just kind of went off in our different ways. Dan won a few. I won a few. Um, Todd Berry, who's now he's been a of course for a long time. Um, Tom Rhodes. There's a whole bunch of guys back. Oh, uh, uh, the guy did Clinton on Saturday Night Live. Um, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Uh, we all were in the same same time, and so. Um, yeah, I started doing clubs, and then boom, and the next thing I do, I'm doing this, and the, the big break for was the was the college uh, called NACA, N-A-C-A, National Association of College Activities. I did really well at those, and then I went to the national one, and I beat Harry Chapin's record of number of bookings. They kept saying, you you beat the record of most gigs booked in an afternoon, three years straight. I just want to say this. For those of you who don't know what NACA is, you do these showcases, and some comedians do Club 750 showcases where they're only allowed to make as much as $750. And then if they block book you with two out of three dates, it goes down to 700 And then three out of five, it goes down to 650 And they work together to get the best deals. And if you went up at the National where all the people were, they could come to the booth that every agency had that represented comics. And mainly they were these mom and pop organizations yeah. that represented them. And they would fill out these slips and they would go and meet in these places. And you were one of the rare guys who not only got block booked for the first year. Yeah. You were so many. I think it was like three years of bookings. I mean, literally, I was like, oh, my God, I've booked for the next three years. And the big rooms, too. Yeah, we played like the big. uh, I remember it was something crazy. It was something. It was the money was so extreme going from like making $700 for a weekend to making like, you know, five grand for something or in 10 grand and 30. It was something really weird. You're like, what? And like, college is going to pay you that much money to, to perform. But that's when you really, that's when we really started to um, really take off. I thought I got a lot of notoriety from, and then the then TV. So then you get the Tonight Show, Regis and Kathy Lee's and all those started coming. But in, in terms of representation, who first saw you Brad Greenberg and Ken Phillips. And so they gave me a credit card and a condo and a girlfriend. No, they didn't get the girlfriend. I did that myself. <laughs> but um, they, you know, they kind of got me rolling. I remember your first publicist. Went. Matt LeBeau. I was sitting in the meeting with him, and he was so excited about this article that he got for you that came out. And right before I come in the meeting, I sit down, and he's reading the article, and he's so happy. And then all of a sudden, oh, is it Rolling Stone? Space, I said, what's the matter? What happened? He said, I was so excited about this article. And then at the end, he said, there's so many girls now, they're drinking the carrot juice. It was something, it was Rolling, yeah, it was rolling, it was rolling Stone. And the, the guy that, that, that yeah, he portrayed me out to be this just huge whore. 
And yeah, the last comment was like, uh, just beware, moms and dads, if your girl is going to see Carrot Top. There's something about carrot juice or something. I was like, oh, God. And everybody read it was like, well, what, what, what? I said, I don't know. He was just trying to make me more rock and roll. But that's fine. And you were working their comedy club circuit, too, along with the colleges, right? I did. I never stopped. It was, there was a span there where I literally didn't stop. Uh, and I would do shows in the morning and then night morning. I'd do a college in the morning. And then uh, another college at night. I had a friend that was, I used to, just, one of my comic friends used to give him shit. I call him, called him one day, and it was like four in the afternoon. Or one of the, it was something. He woke up, and what are you doing? He said, I just woke up. I said, I've already made fucking 20 grand. You haven't woken up yet. Some <laughs> stupid number I made up. But he's like, fuck off. I'm like, well, seriously, what are you doing? You get out. And I remember I followed Denny Dent. He's, uh, I think, has passed away since now. He had cancer. He would start with a, a, a blank canvas. And the music would come on, let's say Rolling Stones, down, down, down. And he would walk out and put these brushes in every finger. And to a song. To a Rolling Stones song. To a Rolling song. Stone, a Rolling Stones image. So it would be Mick Jagger or whoever. And he would do three in the 20-minute showcase. It was unreal. And the finale, he would be painting, let's say it's Jimi Hendrix, yeah. and the song would be yeah. Purple Haze. And he'd be painting it and doing it and he'd look and he'd say I'm done and the crowd would be like what do you mean you're done I don't understand then he'd turn it over flip it over and you're like fucking A so I had to follow that and he killed he always got standing ovations oh fucking now he killed there was paint and I learned there was paint everywhere and I thought you know what if they're gonna stop to clean all this paint up it's going to take away the energy. And I, and I thought I should, even though he killed, I should take that same energy and go from that. Cause I, it's a different act. I wasn't going to come out and do hit what he just did. So I just said, the guy said, we're going to clean this and take about 15 minutes. I said, no, leave like, like Dennis Miller. I said, leave the paint, leave it all. Huh? I just leave it. Let's just go. Bring me up, bring me up right now. Cause the crowd was just fucking on fire. And they, okay. And they brought carrot top and I came up and I, I even made jokes about it. I said, Jesus Christ, so slipping on paint and shit. <laughs> I think I even found some orange and I put it in my hair. I don't know. I did something. I made rainbow hair. But um, yeah, I used the energy from, uh, from what he had. But he, and then, then I ended up buying it. It's still one of my house frames right now to this day that I bought when he opened for uh, Jay Leno at the Mirage. And I was watching it like, I want that fucking painting. So I went back and said, Denny, remember me? He's like, yeah, man. We did that thing together. And I said, how much are these? He's like, oh, I don't sell them. It's all for charity. I said, well, how much then do you want them for? I'll put money for a charity. I still want it. It was Mick Jagger. And he's like, oh. Usually they go for like three grand. So I said, okay. So I gave him three grand. So I go back to my mom. I took my mom to see the show. And she's like, you didn't just go buy that painting, did you? I know you did. I said, I said it's one of a kind. Mom, it's awesome. It's one of a kind. You didn't pay like more than $300, did you? I said, no. I said, I said, I'd lie. I said, $400. Four hundred dollars of that. I said, "Mom, let's watch Jay stop." And the whole time I'm thinking, she'd kill me. She knew I paid three grand for it. <laughs> so then I go to the show with Jay one time. He says, "He says, yeah, Carrot Top bought that that that, that piece, that Denny Dent piece for the show uh, for three grand. He made something four grand." And I said, "No, no, Kevin, he did, uh, how many of those Denny Dents do we have hanging back there, just laying down in the hallway? Huh? Now how much do we pay for those? Nothing. How many of those do you pay? Nothing. It's cheap. Four grand." One time he had to go to the hospital because he had a he, had, he was sick and he had to go to the hospital and he had to cancel for like two nights, so they bring him back and I'm on the first night he's back and so I made this hospital gown made out of denim, 
right? It's perfect. <laughs> so I show all the writers are like, fuck, that's great. They're, they're all like buckling over. So I get out, do my set. I sit down. And then character, I said, wait, Jay, I made you something for, I made you something. He goes, what do you mean? <laughs> so I pull out and I said, look, it's a, it's a hospital gown all out of denim. He goes, no, that's great. We'll be right back with that. I said, wait, wait, wait. I, said, I said, stop. I spent fucking like, like five days on this. And he was like, oh yeah, that's it. And so we go to the break. I said, he goes, what? I said, I, I said that, was, that was like the fucking hilarious. It's a denim hospital gown. He goes, I, don't, I, I know what I get. He goes, he wears denim. This is hilarious. So mad. I spent a fucking lot of time on that. Oh, yeah, thanks. All, and then after that, I said, all that shit that I give you over the years, where does that go? Oh, I'll tell you. He showed me. The big pile in his office. Like pile as high as, high as this casino. Building, not because wherever the hell we are. <laughs> so the thing is, never give Jay Leno shit. He's just gonna throw in a big pile. <laughs> I mean, how many comedians do you know? I don't know any that were that successful right well, away. Well, I mean, a lot of, there's been a lot of comics that have had that have had, have had a lot of success, you know, quick. I mean, not you know, I mean, it, it wasn't that quick. I mean, it was some years, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't you know, it wasn't quick and it wasn't long. But there's some young comics that have had some 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 sex, success quick. What do you consider your first big break when it came to the masses? Well, that's what I was saying. Going back to when, I, yeah, I think the first Tonight Show. I think because I because I you're standing there on the gold star where you know Johnny stood, and you're it's just a weird. Yeah, you know, you've seen this your whole life, and you're standing on the Tonight Show. This is so weird because I took a tour of that that studio when I was a kid. You know, and then you're on it, and and you got there's so much stress and the pressure and the the you know the producers and the people with the cue cards and the audience and the ushers and the you know it's just it's overwhelmingly like this is the real deal. It's not like we're just doing comic strip live. We're not doing evening at the Improv. We're doing the fucking Tonight Show. It's NBC. How many years in was that? It was it was ninety. Two, so probably yeah, ten years in maybe. But I'd done so much up to. I mean, so many colleges, me shows. I was, you know, I, again, like I said, I got lucky with uh, one of the breaks. I would, would would say was that the the NACA thing, only because it gave me so much work to hone the, my act and so much um, experience in different rooms. I mean, there was, you know, one show would be at a, like last night's. Our show was was three thousand people. Tonight's, you know, I don't know what this holds, a thousand or something. So it's always it would fluctuate, and then you know, it, then a, there'd be a nooner in a cafeteria, you know. Um, so you have all those experiences in different settings, you know. You're literally doing comedy in these rooms that should not. There's only one gig that I that I refused to do. I walked off and not get paid I mean, in um, your entire career. That I just didn't. I said I'm not doing it. It was only one time. What was wrong with it? Well, I'll tell you. I, so I get there and I I'm sleeping, and my buddy comes and wakes me up. He says, "You're not going to like this." I go what? It's not. It's like it was in you know eleven in the morning. I said what? He says the stage is um, like a box, like not even as big as that. I said all right, and it's in a breezeway. I said what the fuck are you talking about? He says it's in a breezeway. I said okay, show me. That was Bunker Hill Community College. They did an indie lounge. It wasn't even on the wall in a breezeway, like on the side where they could still breeze by. And watch a joke, but they, it was it was this way. So I'm standing, people are coming this way and this way. It's in the center, like in the in the in the round, and I'm like with a microphone telling jokes to people going to class. And I said, eh. so I call my people and I say I ain't doing it. 
and they're like well you have to do it and i said no i'm not doing it i'm just telling you right now we're, we're off to the next gig so i get so much shit all day long are you really i said no we're not, not going we're already we're already two hours we're on we're on to the next gig so i finally get to the gig that night and they say well you're gonna love this and i said what the the gig that you just walked away from he is the president of naca I said, and I remember, I think my response was, well, then he's a fucking moron. If he's the president of that, if he would know better to put a stage in the middle of a breezeway. They go, no, you're probably going to get banned from NACA now. This guy runs NACA. And I said, well, you know what? Give it on the phone, man. I'll talk to him. I'll tell him exactly what, you know, this is not happening. We're not, you know, not doing it. So I think I even wrote a letter to the guy, you know, if he's still the president of NACA, but I told him, I said, listen, man, you know, I do, I've did all that. You gotta, no, no one's gonna do that gig. You, you know, it's not fair to the, it's not fair to even the students walking by. Can't we get a better show than a breezeway, you know? So I said, sorry, it's not happening. So that's the only time I've ever just, yeah, refused to just not. Have you hit. banned from stuff? No, I don't think, I think they just, I think we were fine after that, but he was, he was, uh, I think a little miffed to be, but so was I. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business, I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Hey everybody, I am really, really excited. We have a sponsor, AquaTrue. This is the first countertop water purifier using multi-stage reverse osmosis technology. I know it sounds complicated, but let's put it this way. This is something that can take your tap water and can turn it into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You're going to be enjoying the best water, the safest water. And if you haven't read all the news about Flint, Michigan, in every single state, there's over a hundred chemicals found in tap water that are not even regulated by the EPA. Many of them are cancer causing and have lead in them. So you can go to a special website that we've set up called industrystandardwater.com. It takes you directly to the AquaTrue site and if you get this product, you're going to get $100 off. Just type in 100 in the special code section. You'll get that money off and you'll start saving. You can put a whole huge bottle of Diet Coke in this machine. And 10 minutes later, it'll come out with the best tasting water you've ever had. I got one of these products. It was unbelievable. 
industrystandardwater.com and you'll be enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever tasted. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names of some people. Okay, all right. And you tell me what comes to mind. Could be a story, something unique, something special. Nicholas Cage. Yeah, friend, yeah. He lives in Vegas. Um, fun. Crazy. <laughs> Movie star. We have a, a, cl- a gold, uh, yeah, the gold jacket club. What does that mean? It didn't last long. We still have the jackets, but we haven't really gone out much in them. It was kind of weird. We went one day, and we're all kind of like, we can't. This looks like it's, 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 it's uh, you know, Vince Neil, and me, and Nicholas Cage in <laughs> these gold jackets. But the jackets were Tom Ford's. So they were like fucking five grand or something, right? I said, I'm about to buy. I'm about to buy a jacket. You know, I, he said, go down to Tom Ford and get your jackets. I was like, mm. So next thing I know, Vince Neil texts me, dude, he's fucking there, shows me a picture of him. Come get your jacket. I said, did you buy that? He goes, no, Nick bought him for us. Just come fucking get fitted. I said, Jesus, okay. So go downtown for it. Mr. Thompson, we're waiting for your fitting. So we got these fucking jackets. They're, he, it all happened when he came to my house for my birthday. He showed up and all my friends were dressed like me, you know. He shows up dressed to the, the nines in that fucking jacket. Full on rock star dude. I'm like, that's the coolest fucking jacket. And he goes, tell my wife she thinks this. I said, that ugly, that's, that is like rock star shit. And he says, yeah, okay. So we started this club. So we got, the, we got one too. And the chaps. So I haven't worn the chaps with the jacket. That's what I'm going to do next. But he's a good dude. He's a good dude. Charlie Sheen. Oh, boy. Yeah, Charlie's great. We, uh, we met at the Tonight Show. I was doing uh, my first Tonight Show and went to commercial break. And as a kid, you always watch them. And you always wonder, I always wonder what people do. And you think it's at midnight, you know, when you watch it at home and your kid. So it's the four in the afternoon when you, in real life when you do it. It's not as sexy. And then we go to commercial and I leaned over and I said, he said, that was great, man. I said, thank you. And I said, thanks, Charlie. I said, um, what do you do after the, like, like this? I was wondering when I was a kid. He said, I'm probably going to go to the Roxy and watch a, a band. You want to you meet me there? I was like, fuck yeah. Um, no, yes. So I go down there, and the doorman's standing there. I said, I'm, he's a, you're on the list. I said, oh, I'm supposed to meet Charlie Sheen. He's like, I'm like, no, I really am. So I just did the Tonight Show with him. Okay, whatever. Sure enough, here Charlie shows up. I'm like, I told you. So we walk in. There's too much of a story of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I can't even tell you the whole one. He's tremendously a, uh, very nice. Knows all, knows, has all. We, I'll tell you the story. It was fun. It was his, his birthday party. He just got, um, uh, uh, the, the Porsche Boxster back then that was like yep. it had never released to the states it was like this phenomenon to see one and I had just gotten a BMW like X5 or something it was a rocket ship but I mean I had it for like a week and he just had his that day so we go out to valet I said holy shit that's your Boxster I've never seen one of these things oh yeah where's your car I said I said oh fuck I said he says that thing how, is that fast I said dude it's fucking gonna beat that Boxster and he goes they ain't gonna beat the Boxster I said you wanna bet and he goes yeah I don't know why I did this, but I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna race uh, you down like Sepulveda <laughs> at midnight. It wasn't even. It was like it was the it was the back street. So it was like, and he's we're racing. You're like, what the fuck? We're down down this road. And I I didn't say. I think he said, let's go. And I said, oh fuck, I'm not. What am I doing? But I never forget that surreal. I'm I'm racing uh, Charlie Sheen in his Porsche. I was in my BMW and my. BMW beat the shit out of that Porsche. 
the hangover that was fun i the, uh, they they uh they came to me or called like whatever even that morning or something do you want to be in this movie the hangover and i was like what is it and like i don't know they showed they told the people the cast in it they weren't anybody at the time i knew zach galifianakis is a comic but i didn't know him personally and what's the scene they said they just want to have fun with you they want to come back and ad lib in your dressing room if you're cool with that after your show and i said yeah so they all piled in and they're like saying hi and they're wow this is cool and i was like well what's the movie about and they just kind of briefly told me so i said what do you want me to do and they said just all you guys just kind of be sitting around just doing silly whatever what would be funny you know partying with carrot top and i said well it'd be funny if we were doing coke because because that would be absurd and stupid and they're like are you cool with that? I said, yeah. And they're like, seriously? I go, well, why? Like, we're not really going to do coke, right? We're just going to get like sugar. So he's like, yeah, but you're okay doing like the, I said, yeah, it's funny shit. So I went and got, you know, sweet and low where you just put up like all these lines and we were all just, you know, doing blow and that, that ended up being in the movie because they thought that was so funny. And uh, we did other shots that didn't make it. We were doing where I was doing well, off his belly and whatever the fuck, but uh, it was fun. Sharknado. Yeah. I just did that not long ago, I think. What was it, a couple years ago? That, again, they just said, you might be in Sharknado. And I was like, yes, you got to be in Sharknado. You'd be an Uber driver. Yeah. But the funny part, we got done and, I, and we leave and I'm like, am I not getting eaten? <laughs> and they're like, do you want to be eaten? I'm like, it's fucking, yeah, it's Sharknado. How do you not get eaten? And he's like, literally, the guy goes, all right, can you, uh, get carrot top uh, attack set up. <laughs> and the guy brings out a ladder. He climbs up and he goes, "All right, um, carrot top shark attack." And I go, "What do I do? Just, just flop around the hood of the car like you're getting eaten by a shark." And I was like, "Okay." So I started doing it, and they go, "Okay, it's a wrap." I'm like, "That's it?" Yeah. I'm like, "That was my shark attack. It was awesome." <laughs> Cause it really wasn't. Well, that's it. You just kind of go, "Oh, oh, fuck!" Ah. <laughs> Johnny Depp. Oh yeah, that's that happened the same night with uh, with Charlie Sheen. I'm talking to him for oh god, like 20 minutes maybe. He's like, yeah, I'm from Florida. I said, I'm from Florida too. Yeah, I'm Fort Lauderdale. I said, yeah, I went to school at FAU in Boca. He's like, oh yeah, cool, yeah. Da, da, da. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, cool. And then Charlie Sheen walks in and says, oh, you know Johnny? I said, yeah, we just we just met. And he goes, he says something like, hey Depp, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to whatever. And I remember thinking, Depp. <laughs> and I look and I go, fuck, I've been talking to Johnny Depp for 20 minutes. I have no idea. He had, like, he looked homeless. He had, like, this really shaggy thing. His, his head down, and he was just talking to me. I didn't know. I said, that's fucking Johnny Depp. He couldn't have been nicer, but I had no idea. It probably is better that I didn't know, because I've been like, holy shit, it's Johnny Depp. Chelsea Handler. Oh, Chelsea's great. I love Chelsea. She's a, she's a, she's a firecracker for sure yeah she's she's she she's she's a fan of mine too which is fun i didn't think she would be but she was she put me on her show and she's like i love you can't was, was that like, a hard show to do yeah but it's more of a it's more of a like i did there i used to do bill marshall all the time back in the day but i was with, with comics it was more with politicians and you know i'm with i think i sat next to over the years i forgot god damn there's so many different people i was on the bill Maher. i did bill Maher a lot his show but you'd be on with you know Ted Nugent and fucking whatever, and then me. So it was a great, that kind of a good mix of people. But you were always an incredible political voice on those shows. You did great, and you did a ton of those shows, and I used to see you a lot. Those shows are not yeah. easy to do well on because you're next to a lot of different people. Yeah. But that never carried over into your act. And I thought that was kind of interesting that you kept it that way because I think when most people become political when they haven't been political, it can affect you. 
Yeah, I've always stayed away from that, and, and, and always. But you know, I I just did a post about uh, whatever it was three weeks ago, maybe, when they uh, I think it was Dick's Sporting Goods store um, came out and said they're not going to sell assault weapons anymore, and they're going to raise the legal limit to 18. All I posted on my Instagram was a picture of Dick's Sporting Goods, and I put uh, wrote it with my finger, just like on an app. I just put thank you. And I got so much shit from people. All I was saying was thank you for everyone. We fuck you, fuck you, you get shot, you fuck. And I was like, I was just saying thanks for making it 18 at least and getting ready assault rifles. Is it really that bad to say? So I took it down. Everybody's like, no, take it down. That's fuck. I said, you know, I never get political. So I just took it down. Fuck it. I took it down. But I, I should have just kept it up and said, you know, most of my stuff I just try to stay. I silly. I don't do anything. I try to make a little point here and there, but people get so aggro. Uh, they just get so pissed. Jonathan Winters, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, uh, definitely a mentor. Um, and as a young comic, I mean, I was probably twenty-something. I got to do Jonathan Winter and Winters and Friends show, and uh, he took us all to dinner, and uh, it was so surreal. You're sitting there at a table with like five of the comics and Jonathan Winters and he's just he's the head of the table and it's Jonathan Winters right and he's just like he's just doing his shtick and he kept saying you're 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 a good looking young man and he kept saying you're a good looking young man and I was this is weird but then he would talk to the wall for like literally like 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 I don't know if it was just his shtick but he would he'd be talking to you like he's like and he's let me tell you something Hold on, I'm done talking to you. And, and then and you just whole fucking thing. He says, "No, no, that's not what's going on. I'm taking these guys to dinner." And, and I'm, I'm like, "Who's he talking to?" But I don't know if he did just to fuck with us. And then, then you know, I later you find out, oh yeah, he was in a mental institute, like a little, like literally one, <laughs> not like he went to Lunatune. No, he was in a mental hospital. Ellen DeGeneres. I love Ellen. I wish I could do more of her shows. I mean, we're friends, and every time I do her show, she's always so nice. But she, she always puts me on to do a skit, you know. But I always wanted to do. I come up and do my uh, my act with, on her show. I think she's brilliant. Again, brilliant. I think there's not that many female comics that are just fucking funny. Funny. One eight hundred call att. Oh yeah, that gave me that gave me many years of uh, of of more grief. It would be like the equivalent of having that progressive chick right now, whatever the hell her name is. <laughs> What's her name? Flow. I was the flow of the day back then. But if you're looking back on that, we took this back not long ago as a joke to throw back, throw back something. And they still, they're still pretty funny. They all really were really funny commercials. I, I, I got on the set, it would say, skating, carrot top ad lib. That was the whole script. And I'm, fuck, really? And all the writers were there, oh, what you got? And I go, what do you guys got? They go, we don't got nothing. I go, okay, well, here we go. I'm going to skate. We have a hot girl. I'll skate by her, and I'll do my little shtick, and then I'll go, 100 call HD. Yeah, that was fun, though. That was a good time. I, I had fun doing this. <laughs> In fact, that used to be, people knew me so much for those commercials. I would go to do shows when I was doing the road. That's all I used to do. And people would say, what are you, oh my God, what are you doing in town? I go, I'm doing a show. And they're like, oh, like a phone show? They're like, phone show. No, doing, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of dialing. Get down there, get there early. We're going to show how to fucking dial a phone. No, a comedy show. Gene Simmons. Gene's great. Yeah, I love uh, Gene Simmons. Yes. Uh, Carrot Top. <laughs> I love Gene. I've done his show a thousand times. And uh, um, one of my favorite things, he came to the, my show in Vegas and he, he said, uh, do you, you know, I love, uh, do you, um, He's so into the whole, you know, marketing thing. I told him how he's you have a brand. He has over fourteen hundred pieces of merchandise. Yeah. Well, I went to this is one of my favorite things. I went to his his house where he has the yeah. thing, 
So they bring me into this big, huge room. And it's got everything you could possibly imagine of Kiss memorabilia. So he's walking me around for his Gene Simmons Live, where that show was. Family Jewels, and he's like, uh, he's like, and this is the guitars, and we have this. And I said, you don't have a, oh, of course we do. I said, you have a condom. We have Kiss condoms, yeah. And we get done to, you know, about five minutes of him just like showing me everything in the store. And I said, okay, don't, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want to like be that guy, but I don't know. I never heard of Kiss, but you must have done well. This is amazing. And he looks at me. He's like, I'm sorry. I said, I know. See, you're, you're take, I, I don't, I don't, I've never, I don't know familiar with your band, but this is, <laughs> you must have done something. This is ridiculous. And I'm doing that acting. I mean, and he was like, you've never heard of Kiss. I said, I told you you're going to make mad at me. I'm just, I, 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 no, but I will check it out now. This is amazing. <laughs> and he's like, you're telling me you've never heard of the band Kiss. And I said, yeah, I'm fucking with you. And the whole fucking crew didn't know what to do. And they all started busting out laughing. He goes, why are you? I said, I'm having fun with you. And he didn't, he didn't understand that I'd really. I'm like, of course I know fucking Kiss is, you idiot. But he, I played it like, I, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sure my, my, my nephew knows you. Or my, my, my father probably knows it. Divorce. Yeah, that was kind of hard because it happened when I was a, when I was young. People always say, "Well, I don't know if it, if, it, if it had something to do with me being a comedian." But yeah, you, yeah, I think the whole thing happened happened. You know, being skinny, red hair, freckles, and living in a surf town where everybody had blonde hair. I'm like, I want to have blonde hair. I want to be a surfer. No, you have red hair. So I, I hated it. I mean, despised being, you know, and I was the, you know, the one that I wasn't picked on, but you know, I was the one that had red hair in the entire school. Um, but that was probably for my strength. And that had, did give me a little bit of, you know, people knew me, nor I did kind of help with the, kind of like w w whether they got me into comedy or not by being picked on. But it helped being in comedy once I got to, when I was doing the clubs and I was the fifth, you know, fifth, 25th comic up that night. Not only did I look different, but I had carrot top behind me in my trunk. So when the crowd left, they're like, what'd you see? We saw this carrot top guy. So it did help branding and help marketing. So, which is weird that it really did with that marketing degree, it did somewhat kind of, because that's where I thought of the logo when I was in my dorm. So I thought it was kind of like that. I was thinking I need like Kiss or the Rolling Stones or the Grateful Dead. I need like a brand um, instead of just a name. The moment that you knew I'm not going to be doing anything again in my life except for stand-up comedy. What happened? Oh, yeah. Uh, probably this podcast. <laughs> no, I've really... I don't know, because, you know, it's been one of those, like this, the whole, it wasn't like that one shiny moment. It was just kind of, it slowly had a lot of moments where they all were like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, and now I'm, I'm in a movie, like I was chairman of the board. I'm on a set of a movie, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm probably doing this now it's a cute movie it was with the the problem with the movie was not really as much as they, they made it a pg-13 or something or r when it should have been a g movie um because they were trying to get you know a little old, you know college a little more dirty but the movie wasn't dirty it was it was for children so it should have been a kid's movie and it still would it would have it would have done better if it was a kid's movie because there really wasn't anything in that was risky you know really wasn't one thing that we did they were like oh we can't you know um but i wrote a lot of that myself i mean i came up with the whole but they didn't do that right too the, the gag with the they never put the sound effect in i mean all the people that were in this movie were brilliant we had raquel welsh and jack warden the guy that was shooting at steve martin at the can these cans are defective 
I'm I'm in this the set every day, like looking at actors that have been fucking like Oscar winning movies, and there they are working with me and fucking top and chairman of the board. Um, but they all had fun. We had some fun, fun, fun times. We were filming that movie on one scene on Sunset for like four days in a building. Then I went down to craft services and um, Quentin Tarantino was just jogging by and he's like, Carrot Top. And I was like, holy shit, Quentin Tarantino. He's like, yeah, what, what are you doing? I said, we're doing a, a action, a war movie. He's like, yeah? I said, no, comedy. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So he's like, cool, man, awesome, good for you. I said, you want to be in it? Nah, I got me jogging here. <laughs> Hey, everybody. As you know, you've heard me speak on this podcast of the importance of clean drinking water. But just if not more important is breathing clean air. The air inside our homes can be up to 100 times more polluted than the air outside. It's a fact. Dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses circulate throughout your home as we speak. Plus outgasses from your furniture, walls, floors, not to mention ozone, radon, and other chemical contaminants. It's potentially toxic soup in your home, and no ordinary air purifier costing less than $1,000 or more can get rid of all those indoor pollutants until now. And that's why I'm so excited about the Air Doctor. It removes all of these contaminants and more. This product normally retails for $600. That's right. Look on Amazon. You'll see it's $600. But for you listening today, you're going to get $300 off and be able to take it home for $299 plus shipping. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and enter the promo code Barry at checkout. You save $300, and it's one of the smartest and most affordable ways to protect the health of your kids yourselves and your family airdoctorpro.com promo code barry your proudest moment in show business wow proudest moment i don't know that's interesting i mean there's always again there's so many proud ones you know there's proud moments when you know you have a good set and you're i don't know you were, one, one that was always fun, it wouldn't be the proudest, but there's one that um, I did the Tonight Show and it was a really good set. And I remember, I'm going to go back to the evening at the, at the Improv. And everyone was there. It was packed. And Bud's there. And Bud's like, didn't you just do the fucking Tonight Show? And I said, yeah. Well, let's fucking put it on. I said, no, 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 no. He goes, yeah, let's put it on. Talking about Bud Friedman, the Bud owner. Bud Friedman. And he put it on. And I remember thinking, it was... If I hadn't done well, I was big. Oh no, I'm leaving. I'm not going to do this. But I knew I did, and it was a really good set. And so I was like, okay. And it was because all these comics. It was like 50 comics there, and Bud, everybody. I think even Jimmy Kimmel's in there. And they're like, hey, hey, carrot tops on, and they play, yeah, yeah, carrot top. And everybody in the fucking club watched my set, and it it was a killer set. And everyone was laughing, and I had done. Everybody's applauding, like that was fucking dude. That was tight. And I remember thinking that was a cool moment, you know, because when I played that club so many times, I would do my little guest sets and I would have to drag my fucking trunk up, you know, that tight room and to get it up on the thing and then to do it and then to get that and then off. And I have to set it up in that fucking hallway where everybody's coming through. And Bud would always say, move your fucking shit out of the hallway. And I said, where am I in order to put it? And he's like, oh, well, all right. 
And then here I am, you know, I'm on the Tonight Show, and he's the one that said, turn it on. He, he was more proud. I think he put his arm around. He said, that was fucking good, dude. That was a good set. Because it was all topical. Bam, bam. It was fun. So that was a good moment. Frankie Pace, great comedian from New York, did Saturday Night Live as a stand-up, believe it or not. Did a lot of different things. And he had this condensed prop case that was literally like a small briefcase. Ever in your career, did you ever have condensed little case or suitcase? Um, no, I've never done that because I've always just, you know. It'd be funny, though. I could put together like 10 little teeny ones, you know, just like, you know, the, the, the well, small ones. <laughs> your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level. Biggest disappointment in show business. I don't know. I, like I said, like I said, going back to the movie, I was kind of bummed they didn't make that a G movie and have a better company behind it because it was a, it was set up to do really well and it's still they still play it like on HBO. It's still people walk up to me every day. They'll sometimes gonna go, "Will you sign my copy, Chandler?" But um, I think that would have been that would have been a fun thing if they if they maybe made, maybe marketed that thing a little better to make it um, a little more successful. The, the, who knows? We might have done some more films, you know. Um, but it hasn't been that many disappointments. I mean, it's been on a good ride, you know. I mean, there's always been things I could have done, wish I could have done better here, could have done better there. But sometimes I think that, you know, living in Vegas and I'm kind of a, I'm away from what's going on. Um, so sometimes I feel Ooh, it's kind of hard to just be, even though Vegas is Vegas, it's like, yeah, if I was in L.A., I might get into some more stuff maybe. But I would say they know where I am. <laughs> One of my favorite things when I go to Vegas and I'm going on Friday is that you go to the airport and there's those videos, videos of you yeah. at the airport, which are so fantastic. Yeah, we had we had fun doing those. Yeah, the big backpack one was fun. I used to, I used to have so many jokes. Yeah, it's like, I forgot what the jokes were now, what it's filled with, whatever. Last question. What advice do you have for the young person growing up in the South? Family has nothing to do with comedy or anything. How do you get to the point and have the kind of career and success that you've had? I don't think people really understand what goes into you. And you're probably the most original character and comedian in our business. There's not one person I know of that I can name right now that's still working that does anything close to what you do. And so to be that kind of an original, and you've had your ups and downs, like you said, people have broken your legs here and there, said bad things, and there's also geniuses who've said great things, but you always kept going. Just from my heart, thinking back, was, yeah, I remember being, just thinking, I wanna do this, and um, I was persistent, and I did it, and I, 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 never, really, I never really thought about failing at it. Um, or even succeeding at it, as much as I just wanted to try it and do it, um, and I did fail at first. I did, I did, I did it for a bit, and I didn't work, and I, I, uh, I quit, and I was doing odd jobs. I was start shucking oysters at this bar, and this couple came in, and they're all staring at me, and this is when I, this is how I came up with my rock and roll thing at the end of the show, where I'm doing all these rock montages. I used to dance behind the bar when I was shucking oysters to the jukebox, and they put on Aerosmith or Michael Jackson, and I would do the thing, or I would, you know, just dance around in a sense that's the, the whole end of my show is about that but um i just uh i was talking to them shucking those and they're like god damn it and i'm like what and they're like you you did you ever do comedy and i was like no and like you doesn't he look just like that guy we saw 
in Tampa? And I was like, yeah, they're like, Carrot Top, he was so fucking funny. You look just like him. And I go, really? you even act like him. I said, that's weird. She goes, oh my God, he was so funny. He has these props. And they knew, that. they were even going through him in their head. Man, this crime watch, son. And I remember thinking, fuck. So after that, I remember I call, a friend of mine actually called me out of the blue and says, when are you doing uh, New Year's? And I said, I'm working on an oyster bar. What the fuck are you working on an oyster bar? You're fucking Carrot Top. I said, no, I'm not doing comedy anymore. And he's like, well, you're fucking Carrot Top. What are you fucking talking about? I said, I'm working in an oyster bar. He says, fuck you, are you doing New Year's Eve at this club in Fort Myers? I said, I haven't done, okay. So I go down there and I did great for considering it was New Year's Eve and everybody was, you know, <laughs> throwing their fucking party favors and not listening to me and shooting off corks. And, you know, it was, it was a shit gig. But I was back on stage doing it. And uh, my, my mom came to that show and she's like, you're so great, you gotta da da da. And from that moment on, I never went back and I just kept booking, booking and booking and more shows. That was way before all the colleges in the Charlotte. Then yeah, so I don't know. The advice I would just say is you, uh, I, I don't know. You just find you know. At first, I always tell comics too, especially young ones, if they want to be a comic, I would say, fuck yeah, you got to do it. But second, you just got to find what is going to be your thing when you get on stage. When they call your name, whatever your name's going to be, what is it going to be? And that's what it took me. I mean, you know, I, I didn't just walk up the first time and have this act. I have, you know, it took 32 years to kind of evolve and kind of find a voice and what where I want to go and what stories I want to tell. So that's the most important. First of all, what, what's going to be your, your agenda? So when they call your name, you go up there. Is it going to be magic? Is it going to be comedy? Is it going to be stand-up? Is it going to be props? Is it going to be music? Are you going to make fun of yourself? Are you going to do observer, observational humor? So this, you know, you have to just know what it is going to be when you get up there. So that's the first thing. Just find out what you want to talk about and then get, get as much time doing it. You know, Stage time is very important to find that, that, that comfort level of holding a mic and telling your story and learning where you want to go. And then from that point, you just, yeah, just stay, stay true to it and just, you know, do all you can do to, uh, to, um, to, to, to get comfortable in doing what you do. But yeah, people along the way are always gonna tell you you're not gonna, you're crazy, you're not gonna be a comic, you know. I had ex-girlfriend back when I was in school, she's like, you're gonna be, a, you're not gonna, you know you're not gonna do this. I'm like, maybe I will, I don't know. I mean, everyone's, I mean, you know, even if you think about it to this day, do you think like even like a president of the United States, forget Trump, any other one, even like Trump, I'm saying, do you ever think that, then the same thing, do you ever think that you were fucking become the president of the United States of America? You know what I mean? No. I'm sure Barack Obama's like, he was in college, he's like, I'm going to be a lawyer and then I'm going to do this, and all of a sudden one day he's, he's being sworn in and he's got to sit there and go, fuck, how the hell did I become the fucking president of the United States? You know? It's like, how the hell did, you know, I said, I've said that to, I've said that to uh, um, Queen, the, the band Queen. Um, one of them was at our show last night, the keyboard player, but the drummer, uh, one time I said to him, I said, said something about, you know, Scott, uh, you know, and this, and, and you know, rubbish, uh, you know, music. And I said, you do know that you're in the drummer for Queen. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah but I'm, uh, you, 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 do, do, yeah, that's you. You do know that. Oh, yeah, I know that. But, you know, he's just really fucking humble. He didn't, you know, he's like, yeah, I know, yeah, but, but I'm saying, you know, no, you're fucking that guy. You're fat bottom girl. You're a fucking rock star. What the fuck? But I think that's with anybody. I don't think, you know, I think everybody probably has that, that people ask the question like, yeah, I do it almost every night when I'm up there. I'm like, this is fucking cool, man. Yeah, I'm going to tell jokes. 
I get to make people laugh. Um, so yeah, I guess that, that, that's that's a long I mean, it's a long answer to that one question. But I think just yeah, finding out what it is you want to do, and then just definitely you know like the Nike, just do it. You just gotta do it. There's no other way. Um, you just can't. You're just not gonna be there. You're, you're gonna get there, but you're just gonna have to. You're gonna have to take that journey. And one day you will be the president of the United States. <laughs> or Carrot Top. Scott, thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, a review on the iTunes comment review section. And one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country... We'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Kyle Likes Pods. Heading reads, Barry, where's Barry? <laughs> July 14, 2013. It reads, bring it on. I'm ready for some cats. I love hearing him on Jay Moore's podcasts. Very encouraging. In fact, he encourages me to keep working in my cubicle just so I have eight hours a day to listen to podcasts, especially his. I can't wait to add this industry standard to my 3 p.m. time slot so I can get out of work feeling like I didn't work at all. Maybe one day I'll find my dream job. Until then... Bring on the cats. All right. Thank you so much, Kyle Likes Pods. I really appreciate it. Congratulations. You are a winner. Okay, before we wrap up, I'd like to thank our sponsors, AquaTrue, the groundbreaking small countertop water purifier. Just go to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry. Get $100 off and get the best tasting water you can ever imagine for pennies. And the groundbreaking documentary, I Killed JFK, and the additional interviews of five of the last remaining JFK assassination experts. It features the only living person in history to admit to killing President Kennedy. You can purchase these exclusively at ikilledjfk.com. When Trump says he wants to drain the swamp, what do you think's at the bottom of the swamp? Trust me, I guarantee it will change the way you look at the world. And the incredible air purifier, the Air Doctor, that removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and everything bad in your house. You can save $300 right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and entering the promo code Barry and finally start breathing in clean and healthy air in your home starting today. And last but not least, I'd like to thank my partners at Wondery. They are truly amazing. Recently, they asked me to request if you would just take a few minutes of your time to complete a short survey. Just go to wondery.com survey, and you can do it straight from your smartphone. It would really help us out here at the show and at Wondery. That's wondery.com survey. I really appreciate it. And that wraps up two episodes of Carrot Top. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out.
Listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes, which will be available for download every Monday, or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment, and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.